Welcome to the BC Heritage Fairs interview cast. On this podcast, we'll be sharing interviews with our students about their projects. This is episode 11, Tyson's project on the history of free ride mountain biking. Tyson is interviewed by Alumni Council Coordinator Keelan. You can view the photos of Tyson's project, including the movie poster he references, at bcheritagefairsalumni.wordpress.com slash 2022-virtual. grade 9 student and I did my project about the history of freeride mountain biking in BC uh, where it got its start. Back in the mid-80s to late 80s, uh, ski filmer and director Greg Stump got a call from the marketing department of Specialized, which is a bike brand, and was asked to make a movie like his ski movies. And because of that, he didn't really know what to do. So he brought on another filmer, Christian Beijing, and they started filming in the hills of Kamloops and Rossland with writers Dave Swetland, Chris Lawrence, Brett Tippy, and Richie Schley. Back then, it was mostly a lot of the steep riding down old decline behind arenas, and we didn't have a lot of the jumps we did today, but Richie Schley did do a 360. And that was kind of the wrap of the movie. And after they finished editing it, they did their premiere of it in California, which sent everyone ecstatic at the premiere uh, when it was called Pulp Traction. And they completely ripped off the Pulp Fiction cover. And after their final like font thing at the end, everyone went electric. And Greg Stump went back to his hotel. And the next morning, he got a call from Specialized saying that they needed to pull the movie because they couldn't show the mountain bike tire touching dirt. Which is, he replied with us like me not being able to show the ski touching the snow. And this caused a lot of uproar in the community. Uh, a lot of the guys were bashed, a lot of the riders. And it kind of, and then they, Bike Magazine released an article called Drop Everything, and they started to get the credit that they wanted. A few years later, uh, North Shore Mountains of British Columbia, Seymour, From, and Cyprus, uh, Todd Digger Fiander would ride along hiking trails, and there was a tree that had fallen down along one of the trails that he wanted to ride. And he built a reroute around it out of wood. He fell in love with it. Um, The riders absolutely loved his trails just because of his creative use of skating wood about five inches wide on his trails and only some drops and stuff. Uh, One day uh, he was filming. He started his own film series called North Shore Extreme that he just film on his old JVC camera and then sell it at a bike shop he worked at. They were out filming and they were on one of his more advanced trails, ladies only. And this long-haired, long-haired, curly guy named Dan uh, came up and was asking, uh, have you guys ridden this trail before? And they figured it was like, well, rode it, I built it. And they followed Dan behind the trail, and then they dubbed him Dangerous Dan after how crazy 
he was. Um, suddenly, North Shore had a huge uh, boom of popularity. Uh, every magazine outlet was shooting there. Um, mostly on the cover was Wade Simmons, another writer. Uh, got to the point where people would write the magazine saying they would not want any more pictures from British Columbia. Christian Beijing, while this was all happening, went out there and just brought his camera and started filming and got the idea to start his own film series called Crank Live to Ride. He did his filming in camps and North Shore Mountains and he brought his, uh, bought like a cheap TV with a built-in VCR and brought it to a Montclair Festival and uh, would ask people if he could plug in because he didn't even have all the proper equipment to show this off. And while that was happening, uh, the North Shore was starting to get torn out. The district was going up there and tearing stuff out. But there was also another person going up there that had been deemed the trail Nazi because his reasoning behind it was that you just wanted Mount Blakey to stop and he would take key pieces of the wood features out. He leaves like spike strips on the trails and he was trying to hurt the riders instead of the district who was just taking them out and leaving kind of the rest of the trail. Um, Dangerous Dan's trail, which was, most of it was 25 feet high in the trees on three inch wide uh, boards, was completely ripped out by the district. And that really took a toll on Dan because that trail was where he'd go after he would get his cancer treatments because he developed cancer, uh, like he's beaten cancer. Uh, but North Shore was almost completely wiped out. And next in BC, we had our turnover of stuff, uh, Rocky Mountain and Marzocchi suspension started a actual free ride team, which was unheard of at the time. Riders were starting to make money, not just from the movies, but just riding. This caused Wade Simmons, he wanted to do something out of the complete ordinary that no one had really done. So he went down to the desert and built a 30 foot high by 30 foot long uh, jump over a monster truck. And this is where I got the name Turtle because it caused a lot of the riders to retire or move to the other side of the camera or just adapt to what was happening now. Uh, and that was about 2000, about 2000. And then in about 2003, Steve Romana, the rider that I was actually able to meet and interview from the Okanagan, uh, got his career start on a TV show called Drop-In. Um, got kind of my key points from the interview. We had this insane jump that he had built up at our local trail network, Gillard. It's just called the Gillard Road Gap. Uh, and this was a story about the first time he hit it. I only told like eight guys uh, at the bike shop, I was plan finally planning to hit the gap on Sunday. Sunday comes around and we head up to Gillard. And back then our Gillard last took a few hours we would stop and hike back up and do jumps again and stop at their uh, jump lines we had. I crashed and broke my rear brake and hurt myself a little bit. 
So I had to limp my bike down to the bottom. I got to the road gap and there was so many people there. I couldn't believe it. I could barely even do speed checks because I didn't have a rear, barely had a rear brake. So I just decided to go for it. And um, because there was an uphill I could shed speed on at the end, I did it and made it. And one of the guys I work with knows Steve Romanek really well and was saying, uh, Steve Romanek popped off this thing and threw a whole bunch of style into it. Like no one was expecting that. He was also telling me about how he was one of the first independent riders to bring in the idea of a contract uh, where you could just ride, not be a part of a team. Because uh, back then, most of the pros would work at bike shops to get their bikes in here. Uh, he was also one of the first to get energy drink sponsored with Cam Paul for Rockstar Energy. Uh, he was talking about his mental health uh, and fear. I need to have fear, but break the box of fear so that it, so that it doesn't get the best of you. He said you need to accept the consequences of riding for that jump you're going to do. Accept them so that fear from that jump or ride can go away. And he talked about his buzz depression after retirement, that feeling of not having 100% anymore, not having energy to beat off. Uh, that really lit something up in my brain and it was that it makes sense why a lot of athletes will get into the substance abuse or other things that aren't great for them. The other uh, question I asked him was, how has our riding scene changed in North Melbourne over the years? It is more of a hobby than an all-consuming passion or way of life. Riders do not push the boundaries much. I had so much passion and enjoyment in what I was seeing. It felt natural and so right. Fear is overrun by passion. The desire to progress and go further was strong. Uh, what was it like being one of Kelowna's first pro mountain bikers? One word, fun. It was the golden age when something is on the cusp of breakout. It could be some of the best times. And next, I got kind of our riders from the Okanagan. We're kind of active at the moment. Uh, Tom Van Steenbergen was originally born in Holland, but is called Kelowna and been at home for a lot of his life. Thomas competed in a multitude of events with his most notable finishes being best trick in Frankfurt since 2012 alongside Jordy Lund. Red Bull Rampage best trick 2018 and 2021 and Red Bull Rampage third place. Bass Van Steenbergen is the older brother of Tom. Bass has taken the more racing approach, though he has competed in Red Bull Rampage. Uh, one of Bass's most notable career finishes was when he and his girlfriend, Bayer Rebecca, won the title of King and Queen of Pankworks with winning the most points in their respective mountain bike disciplines in 2021. And what's cool about Pankworks is it's one of the first sporting events where women and men are paid equally, which is awesome. Uh, probably the biggest rider from the Okanagan is Brett Reader. Even though he's originally from Ontario, he calls Vernon his home. Brett Reader sacked up many wins, seven individual Crankworks event wins, uh, four freestyle mountain bike world champion titles, and one Red Bull package title. 
He also has his own not like own a brand title FTV, which focuses a lot on sustainability. Um, Matt McDuff is from Victoria, and he also calls Vernon his home. Matt might not have a lot of wins or uh, events that the other guys do, but he is a visionary in writing and is a builder. Uh, most notably, his loop of death that I have here uh, is a massive loop, and he didn't make it, which sucks. Uh, also, BC, we have Whistler. Um, Whistler was one of the first ever lift assisted bike parks. It was after a breakfast server, Eric White, started his mountain bike tour company up there and pestered the Whistler board for years about opening lifts up for mountain biking. And finally, in 1996, they did their first day of lift assisted riding. There was about four to 500 people that showed up. Uh, the trails were just down the ski runs or the roads they had up to the lifts. And also Crankworks, which I've mentioned, also started in BC at Whistler. Uh, in 2003, Rob McSkady wanted a mountain bike festival and competitive event in Whistler. Uh, he talked to Mark Taylor, who was responsible for Whistler's massive skiing and snowboard festival. They were together and the first Crankworks was held in 2004. After the first one, it quickly grew to become one of the mount largest mountain bike festivals of all time, being dubbed the Super Bowl of mountain biking. The events in Crankworks include slope style, pump track, speed and style, and dual slalom. Crankworks is also one of the first events, which I mentioned before, where women and men are taking. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tyson. Yeah. Um, I loved your project because I've never heard a project like it before. So super Thank unique. You. And you included a ton of detail in it, was, which you. was really impressive. Um, so we have a time for a couple questions. Okay. Um, I was wondering where your favorite place to mountain bike is. Oh, um, Whistler. Yeah. Yeah. And why I'm is that? Just because it's so, just the history being that it's, it actually is dubbed the mountain bike capital of the world just because there's so much around it and there's so much variety what you can do up there so yeah that's awesome i've never mountain biked there only skied but it's a pretty cool yeah. a pretty cool place to be for sure um and do you have any are you hoping to pursue mountain biking kind of as a career in the future is that yeah i work at a, i work at a bike shop in town okay um, and this year is my first season competing cool. racing yeah. And, um, when I was interviewing Steve Romanaki, he was mentioning about how there isn't just um, being a pro rider to work in the mountain bike industry. Like you can work in the bike shops, and all the bike companies are still normal companies. Like they need all those different jobs that a normal company would have. So I definitely would like to see myself doing something in the bike industry in the future. Yeah, that's cool. And it's nice to know you're competing this year. That's yeah. exciting. Do you have any like a main goal in the future? Like, I know you kind of compared the the Super Bowl to that one competition. Yeah. Um, do you have a goal that you want to reach in terms of mountain biking at some point or? I just say like with mountain biking, the goal is just to, be, to keep having fun with my friends. Like don't turn it into something where it becomes a have to be or, you know, something where we're all just too competitive like just keep having fun 
Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I think that's the main reason why athletes should be doing sports is because they love it, not for the fame or for the money or anything like that. Um, so I'm glad that you kind of have that philosophy as well. Um, so we're just almost out of time. Is there anything else you'd want to tell me about your project that you haven't spoke about yet or any pictures that you want to tell the audience yeah. about before we leave? Yeah, the, a cool one is uh, this picture. It's got a big like the old school helmet cam, so they'd have their old cat old cameras on there. They'd be wearing these helmets that would weigh like 50, 50, 40 pounds. And just to film those like first person shots. And they called them depression dogs, whereas now we have a little GoPro camera that it doesn't even weigh anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it kind of shows the progression of how how quickly stuff can change and how the technology yeah. changes for sure. Um we have a question in the chat I can just read out loud. Um, how old were you when you started mountain biking? Uh, I went for my first ride with my friend when I was about six or seven. And then I really got into it when I was about 11 or 12. Because I was racing BMX kind of through the time. And I just kind of was over the BMX racing. So, cool. Yeah. And then I kind of have a follow-up. Do you have any advice for younger students who want to get involved in mountain biking? Uh, like just keep at it and practice the best and have fun with it. Don't turn it into something that's not fun. Okay. Awesome. So that's all the time we have. So thanks all so right. much for sharing with us, Tyson, and good luck competing this season. Sweet. Thank you. Okay. See ya. BC Heritage Fairs Society is a nonprofit society based in BC, Canada, which transforms young historians into community leaders. This podcast is run by our alumni team. You can see more about our alumni at bcheritagefairsalumni.wordpress.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BC Heritage Fairs. See you next time.